the quick tonight is Yaakov and Esav. Believe it or not. Now, what, what do I think the topic? What, what, what should we talk about? Uh, I would like to. I would like to be able to understand why we needed Yaakov and Esav. Why, why did Yitzchak have to have two sons? Why couldn't Yitzchak just have one son? Uh, everybody knows that even uh, 200 years ago, I mean, when I, not 200, I did not go to school 200 years ago, but when I went to school, all the years of my education, there wasn't a pair of twins in my class. Because there was the, the, the success rate of births with twins was not that great. And everybody knows that their great-grandmother had twins someplace along the way, one of them died. That's how it always was. It's not like today, where, uh, where eggs are born and they live. You know, the, the, the babies, the embryos, they don't die. They just put them in a cooker, and, they, and a couple of months later, they're regular people. But this was not the case. This was not the case hundreds of years ago, and it was certainly not the case in the time of Avram Avinu. So the, the birth of twins, the Yitzchak, is itself a miracle. I mean, they, they came out with a personality, with an ideology, with a, a way of, of doing things. I mean, remarkable. It's remarkable. And because they were twins, because they were twins, they could not be sent, neither could be sent away. It wasn't a repeat of Yishmael and Yitzchak. Yishmael was the son of Abraham, but he could be sent away because his mother's name was Hagar. And even though, according to Chazal, Hagar had many children with Abraham, right? Keturah. She's called Keturah in the, in the Chumash. She had many children, but none of those children, none of those children were really in. They were all out. They were all out. So Abraham Avinu gave them presents and sent them away. It was this option of sending away did not exist with Asa. Did not exist. You couldn't send them away. In fact, I think that that's a reasonable explanation for, for Yitzchak's seeming inability to understand what was going on. Right? If, you, if you want to say that Yitzchak, that he was blind, that he could, didn't know what was going on, it's okay, I guess you could do that. But my feeling is, my feeling is that Yitzchak knew very well what was going on. And he knew, he knew that his only option, his only option was to kind of get Esau somehow involved in what he was involved with. Now, Esau was a man of the world, meaning he, he was Gashmi in the language of Hasidut. He was very into, um, I don't know, having a good time, you could say. Into being part of the earthiness of the, of the world. And Yitzchak said to him, Yitzchak said to him, bring me food. Bring me something to eat. So he was able to convert Esau's interest in hunting, in cooking, in eating with the mitzvah of Kibbutz Avaim. 
So I see it as Yitzchak's attempt to kind of keep keep Esav in, and eventually Esav, of course, goes off on his own as as children are wont to do. But he was remained connected somehow. He remained connected even though he was uh, he hated his brother Yaakov, which is something that brothers are often want to do. And and but still he was connected. He went to his father's hespedim, uh, uh, his burial, etc. You all know, you all know the the story. So the question of what we need Asa for is a real question. Now the answer to that question is also clear. It's also clear because in the creation of Am Yisrael, you had to get to the point where Yaakov's children Yaakov, not Yitzchak, right? Yaakov's children were all in in spite, despite what they did they could have done the worst possible things and have to, you know, have, have, have defamed the family and, and the father, Yaakov but they were in there was never a suggestion that Shimon and Levi who acted against the best interests of the family and against the direct uh, uh, statement of their father that Shimon and Levi would be excluded from Am Yisrael. There was never, there was never such a suggestion. It was never so that that Yitzchak was the Mavah. In other words, what did Abraham create? Abraham said, "If you're like me, you're in, but you can't build anything on that." I mean, I mean, the nation of Israel could have never existed on that precedent. You have to be like me. You have to be like Abraham Avinu. Avinu was a great thinker, a great person, a spiritual advisor. I mean, he was special. I mean, so you could one generation, it could work. So, so Yitzchak was also special. Yitzchak was able to say, "I will go." with my father he was the only one who said that right they went together what do you mean they went together whatever Avramavidu taught Yitzchak absorbed whatever it was that Yaakov Avramavidu suggested as the basic ideology Yitzchak accepted it so much so that when Avraham said that God wants me to sacrifice you, my son, that was not a problem. That was not a problem for Yitzchak. Just as it wasn't a problem for Abraham. You know, it was contrary to what you, what others say. There is no mention in the Chumash of, of a trial, of, of something that was unclear. Something that was unclear to Abraham. Abraham knew what could be clearer than a direct uh, command from God. What is there in the world that you could not find a rationale for for arguing about or for disagreeing about, other than a direct command from God? And that was Avraham Avinu, and that was Yitzchak. It says it three times in the parasha. Right? It says three times in the parasha. Who's left behind? Who was Shneihanaarim? Left behind. The Chazal say and Eliezer and Yishmael. Yishmael, of course, is left behind. I mean, Eliezer did not grow up in the house of Abraham, but but Yishmael did. But Yishmael couldn't get couldn't get it. 
he, he, would, he wouldn't be able to fathom what was going on. You know, that Avraham Bidu is willing to sacrifice his only son who's going to be the, 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 the continuer of the, uh, of the line of Avraham Avinu. He couldn't do that. Yaakov Avinu, the third of the Avot, everybody's in. There's never a suggestion that if you do something wrong, Tamar and Yehuda, uh, Shimon Velevi, uh, Ruvain, is never a suggestion that anybody might lose his place. And that's an idea that we've carried on, that the Jewish people have carried on from, well, they say, once a Jew, always a Jew. It's not always, not such a good thing. You know, the wrong people said that also. But I mean, what I mean is that being Jewish is no longer a tnai, there's no longer a condition about what you think or what you say and what you act and, and uh, that's why uh, I find it uh, personally annoying when, uh, when religious people say that other people who observe uh, Judaism in a somewhat different way are not Included? What, 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 who said they're not included? I mean, how do you come to such a conclusion? It's, uh, it's uh, to me, it's, uh, it's beyond me. Uh, of course, if somebody gives you a, a sandwich with trafe meat in it, you shouldn't eat it. But that's not because they're excluded. They're, they're doing the wrong thing. I mean, everybody does the wrong thing sometime or other. But they're still in. They're still part of the. They're part of the deal. And that's what the, we learned from the Avot. We learned from the Avot that this, there's this passage from uh, from Avram Avinu, who could hardly be emulated, who was a hero of of you know who were of of the Rambam. The Rambam thought that Avram Avinu was his hero, which might mean you know if we were psychologists that he was the person he. He had two heroes. He had Avram Avinu and Moshe Rabbeinu. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was, it was bestowed upon him. That he was, whereas Avram Avinu made himself into it. So I think that the Rambam may have appreciated Avram Avinu even more than Moshe Rabbeinu, even though Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one who could have brought the Torah into the world, which is the Rambam's, which is the Rambam's position. So you have, besides uh, the, the big thing that happens in this parasha, is that at the end, even though they Esav hates Yaakov, but they don't destroy each other. And in the next week's parasha, Yaakov gets the upper hand. Yaakov gets the upper hand, which leads me to it's led me to a question that I had, uh, that thought that I had, which uh, you know. Uh, People are uh, talking to a certain extent about the halachav rodef. If somebody comes to kill you, you can kill them. Even though there's no due process and there's no witnesses and there's no one else making you. You're the, you're the, uh, you're the witnesses in the court and the executioner. You're, you do the whole thing. That's called, that's called the dinner of, of rodef. And of course, uh, we're, we're beset by... Uh, people who come at us with knives and uh, the men shall I think I think wisely um, decided that uh, you can't wait to get stabbed before you kill them 
or stop them somehow. You have to stop them before they stab you. That seems like a reasonable thing, but we know that in the Torah, in the Tanakh, there are examples. In the Torah, Tanakh, there are examples of a case of Rodaif where the person who was uh, beset upon did not fight back. He could have fought back, but he did not. And the most famous example, of course, is David Amelech. David Amelech, when Shaul, Shaul, the first king of Israel, had decided to destroy David, David, David before he became king. Uh, and they found themselves together in a in a in a uh, cave, and David Hamelach, David who was not yet Hamelach, but David decided not to kill Shaul Hamelach, even though he could have. And the Gemara asked that question: Why didn't he kill him? Because he was sworn to destroy David Hamelach. But it's also true. I mean, that's a question. It's yours. Uh, I mean, there's no acceptable, accepted answer. I mean, you can say whatever you say, but it's not not something that's written in the Tanakh, which is very explicit in the book of Shmuel, very explicit about this story. But you know that Yaakov Avinu, at the end of the parasha of Taldot, ran away from Esav. And he ran to Padan Aram where he then uh, married, had children, worked. Very interesting story. That's all next week. Where the story is very, uh, you know, something you could really sink your teeth into. And then when he comes back, when he comes back, even though Esau meets him with a small army, Yaakov stands up to him. He doesn't kill him, but he stands up to him and he has this battle with Sarosh of Esav, with this, you know, angel-like figure that is fighting, and he, he vanquishes him. So why didn't he do that before he ran away? Why did he run away? I mean, it could be that he ran away because he had to get married. Like, it was, they, all the, all the shaduchim of this family, came, you know, from Padan Aram, from Ur-Kastim, uh, where uh, Rivka's family was, where Avram's family was, and they all went. So that could have been the reason, but in fact, it sounds like when you read the Chumash that, uh, that Yaakov was very much afraid, and that Yitzchak and Rivka are very much afraid of what's going to happen to Yaakov. Whereas when he came back, from, and he met up with this army of Esau, and also sorrow shall Esau, this uh, angelic kind of figure who was who was the representative of Esau, he beat him handily, or maybe not handily, but he beat him. And there's no doubt about it. And, they, and, and, and as a result, Esau kind of stole away with his... Uh, so why couldn't that happen? Why couldn't that happen earlier? Uh, so this idea, Rodaif, that, that somebody chases after you to kill him, Kill, it says I'm going to kill you it's not an easy halakha it's not always obvious that someone who says he's going to do something is really able to do it and the determination the determination on my part that somebody's chasing me and uh, says he's going to he's going to uh, 
uh, you know, kill me, so it doesn't mean I can do anything about it. I mean, maybe I, you know, it's like this how you say, if someone changed, that's a halacha. If something changes after you, you can kill him. But maybe you can't. You know, like, it doesn't mean maybe you could kill him, okay, but maybe you can't kill him. Maybe you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Maybe you're not going to be, uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, Israeli, Israel, Israel is different. My 12-year-old grandson comes into the house, I said to him, what do you have? He sticks his head in his pocket, he could take out a gun. But no, he took out this pepper spray. What do they call it? <laughs> yeah, so I said, what are you going to do? He says, let me aim by you. I said, fine. <laughs> I felt protected. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about Yaakov and Esau today. We're going to start by reading some Sukim and the Rashi on those Sukim. So it says, the Eilat Yitzchak ben Abraham, Abraham Olinet Yitzchak. So this is like a, we're used to it, but it's a strange construction. Because Toldot Yitzchak ben Abraham, when we know what we're talking about, why do we have to add Abraham Olinet Yitzchak? And we know that Abraham Olinet Yitzchak. So Rashi says, Eilat Toldot Yitzchak, Yaakov Esav, Amurim Beparashah, that the Toldot, that the descendants of Yaakov, of, uh, I'm sorry, Yitzchak, are Yaakov and Esav. Great. Abraham Olinet Yitzchak. Al Yidei Shikatav HaKatuv, Yitzchak ben Abraham, Huskak Lomar Abraham Olinet Yitzchak. Why is it that this construction of the Pesach is absolutely necessary? The, the comedians of the generation. I mean, they're the people who are annoying. The people who say things that you shouldn't say. We have a few people like that. They say, Maybe Avimelech is the father of Sarah. Abraham. After all, they, will, they lived together, Abraham and Sarah, for a long time. And she didn't have a child. Uh, until she went down, they went to, uh, to Avimelech. Vizel uh, Shekatav, I'm sorry, Ba'asa Kodesh Baruchu, Sar, Cluster, Panav, Shel Yitzchak, Domel Avraham. He sort of made Yitzchak's face very similar to Avraham's, and he either a call Avraham or Lilith Yitzchak, so that that uh, that this statement Avraham or Lilith Yitzchak is a kind of a repetition of what people said. People who would, you know, when somebody is cast aspersions, they said, "No, Abraham was the father of Yitzchak." Look at them; they look exactly the same. B'zeu shekatav kan Yitzchak ben Avraham hayah sharei edut yeisha Avraham olidet Yitzchak. So it's interesting. It is in that Rashi introduces us to this kind of of safek. On the one hand, on the one hand, it was like all miracles. It was a miracle. On the other hand, there were people who tried to understand the miracle as being something natural. People don't like... So there are two kinds of people, right? There are kind of people who say, it's a miracle you crossed the street and didn't get killed. You know, that's a miracle. And there are people who say that if this building would fly away in the middle of the, of the, of the night, it wouldn't be a miracle. There'd be some way of explaining it. There are always people in both, in both camps. 
So the three, on the one hand, this was a miracle. I mean, Abraham and Sarah were quite old. Uh, it hasn't, it such a thing hasn't happened in modernity, even in modernity. And on the other hand, you know, maybe it was somebody else. Maybe somebody else was the father. How that deals with the problem of Sarah being as old as she was, I'm not sure. But that's what, that's how Rashi introduces this story to us. So there's this kind of, uh, like uh, the Torah tells us who's who, and who are they related to, and, how, and, and that's very important. And then Pasukav Alif, so, if you look at the at the Rashi, you see it's the fifth wide line in the beginning in the middle of the line. Vayetar, potrim padan aram kimo. I'm sorry, vayetar marbe. That's why Yetar, according to Rashi, to to uh, to present your case to God. A lot of requests and a lot of... That's what this is. But now we're up to Nochachishto. That's the part that I wanted to read. You see that? Rashi, the Nochachishto. Ze omeid bizavit zo umit One of them is standing in this corner and davening. Vizo omedet bizavit umit So that Nochachishto facing facing his wife, whenever you face somebody, it causes a reflection. Like what you do is, is often imitated. It's also often imitated, but clearly, according to Rashi, the Pasuk said that who davened? Who was the instigated the davening? Uh, Yitzchak. Right? And who followed suit? That was Rivka. And then the rest of the pasuk is that God uh, uh, paid attention to this. Lo v'lala, lo v'lola. That's what Rashi says. Even though my my feeling is always that women could daven better than men. Here, uh, here Rashi says lo is a significant word. lo. It's not lo meaning him and her. It means him alone. Vayatar lo. It was his davening that did it. She'endo met filat tzadik ben tzadik betfilat tzadik ben rasha. Lefikach lo vilola. This is what the Gemara says, that you can't compare the prayer of a tzadik ben tzadik with the prayer of a tzadik ben rasha. Who is the tzadik ben rasha? Rivka, she was a tzaddik ben Rasha, and she certainly, she certainly uh, uh, was an oved avodah zora in her younger years, before 
before she came to be Yitzchak's wife. So she lived in the house of idolaters. So when you live in the house of idolaters, you know, you do what they do in the house. Not everybody's going to take a stand like Avram Avinu. So a tzaddik ben tzaddik, his prayer is more uh, acceptable than, that's what Rashi says, that a tzaddik ben rasha. You can understand why. You understand why? Because the tzaddik ben rasha has to do tshuva for a major transgression. There's always a major transgression involved in being a ben rasha. And uh, uh, doing tshuva for a uh, basic, an important kind of transgression is, as Rav Nachman of Braslav says, never fully satisfied. Never fully satisfied because you, there, there are two reasons. There are two reasons. One is that, uh, that uh, uh, the two reasons that tshuva is, is not enough, so to speak. Uh, one reason is that tshuva brings you closer to God. What does it mean that you ask? You ask for forgiveness or you say, you, you confess that you did something wrong and that you know that it's wrong. So what, what, what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to say you're confessing? It means that you, I mean, why did you confess? Why did you go through this process of tshuva? Why did you just say, well, forget about it? Let's forget about it. I guess because you feel impeded in your relationship. Even people who are not so involved in the relationship they have with God, from time to time, feel very strongly the relationship, if it's times of crisis or times of death. Most people who consider themselves to be religious, I don't like that word, but most people like that, most people like that have a relationship with God. Not all the time. Not like the Chofetz Chaim. But like uh, from time to time. You know, something happens. You know, there's a war, there's peace, there's death, there's birth. They, from time to time, you sort of feel closer to, closer to God. So people like that, who have a connection who feel that they have a connection, even if it's only from time to time, even if it's only, you know, part of the time, very much part of the time. Even if that is the case, that person doesn't want to have a debt on those, those occasions, you know, the bris, the pidyon abed, the wedding. He the, doesn't want to say, yeah, I really feel good, but you know, I shouldn't have done that. You know, you don't want to have that. So tshuva sort of takes care of that problem, but tshuva causes a problem. That's what Rav Nachman says. And that's a lot of people say, but Rav Nachman famously said it, that tshuva causes a problem. And the problem is that you get closer to God. You feel the closeness of God right then, when you, do tshuva, when you do tshuva. You feel closer to God. And then you realize, you realize that you didn't really take the transgression so seriously. Like, you thought you could just do something and it would disappear. But now you know that it was God who wanted you to do, or wanted you to prevent yourself from doing. And therefore, 
you didn't do enough tshuva. So you do tshuva again. Right? I think we, we mentioned this uh, probably more than once. You do tshuva again. Because you didn't do enough tshuva the first time. Why did you do enough tshuva the first time? Because you didn't know what an avera is. You thought it's like the Boy Scouts, right? You have a manual, do's, don'ts. And so you did what you shouldn't do. So you say, I'm sorry. But then, when you are allowed to feel closer to God, then the avera gets bigger. And you say, maybe I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough tshuva, so I'm going to do tshuva again. So somebody who's a tzaddik ben tzaddik might like Yitzchak right Chazal call him an olat mima he was the perfect sacrifice the perfect sacrifice everything that Avram told him to do he did he accepted he was with it but a tzaddik ben Russia always has to do tshuva for the time that he was with the Russia, there's nothing that it can escape it. So the Chazal said the tefillah, or the tefillot of a tzaddik ben tzaddik, take precedence over the tefillot of a tzaddik of a tzaddik ben Russia. That's what that's what Rashi that's what Rashi says. Um, you see, Renochach Ishto Zemek Zovit Zovit Palel etc. Pasuk Kavet. What does the pasuk say? Vayitrotzitzu abadim b'kirbam v'tomer kei lamazanochi v'halach ledrosh et Hashem. So you see that the miraculous nature said it to him that she couldn't have a baby. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a baby. Yitzchak and Rivka couldn't have a baby unless they interceded with God. I mean, having a baby is a more or less natural thing. It's not something which, uh, uh, I mean, of course you daven for, for a good result, for the best result. But, that's, you know, but it's not that having a baby is a miraculous event. It's true for Abram and Sarah it was kind of miraculous because they were quite old. But it, in itself it's not a miraculous event. So here we say, they didn't have a child until they asked for a miracle they, they didn't have a child in other words the, the, the normal normal for them was not to have children they davened for a miracle so Pasukha says they, they ran around in her womb these two fellows Rashi says there's no way to understand this Pasuk by translating the words straight away but there's got to be a drasha. We've got to introduce a drasha. What's the drasha? What's the drasha? Shesatstam ma'iritsitsa zo. Shesatam. I'm sorry. The, the Torah does not clarify what it is that they're running around for. The katav im kein anochi. Right? She says, if this is what's going on, what, why am I here? Rabbateda Darshu Lison Ritza. The Drosha is Vayitrotsu is from running. Shaita Uveret Al Pitchei Torah Shel Shaiva Aver Yaakov Ratz Umifakes Latsait. When she passed by the Yeshivas, so Yaakov tried to get out, he wanted to go to Yeshiva. Overt al Pitchei Vodazara, when she passed the the the, the idolatrous uh, Center, 
Ezer tried to get out. So, according to this drash of Chazal, which is brought to us by Rashi, that that Yaakov and Esav were always Yaakov and Esav. They were in the in their mother's womb. They were Yaakov and Esav. There was no there was no hope for this whole thing. Nothing was going to happen, right? A davar acher mitrotzitzim ze im ze umerivim benachlat. Shnei Olamot Merivim in his Mitrotzitzim another interpretation of this word Vayidrotzitzu which is the the crucial the crucial word here uh, um, the other thing is they 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 were fighting the Nachalat Shnei Olamot what does that mean? Nachalat Nachalat is an inheritance two worlds what two worlds are we talking about so we'll stop for a minute and we'll just summarize the whole situation was hopeless or another way of saying it is we needed Esau now what did we possibly need Esau for it had to be Esau had to be even if the birth of Esau was miraculous it only came through prayer the natural way of having children did not work for Yaakov uh, for Yitzchak and, and Rivka what, what, what was it that Esav provided us with so let's turn the page and look at the Shem Shmur. this, uh, this uh, long passage from the Shem Shmur is about half of the actual passage which I edited but if you wanted to look at it at the original it's here at the bottom right Toldot Tofresh Ayinbet that's um, the whole thing in the in the book called Shem Mishmuel, the Drashot of uh, of the son of the Sefer So listen to what he says. Ve'ele toldot Yitzchak ben Abraham, Abraham obedit Yitzchak pasuk. Yesh lahavin kefel halashon. It's important to understand. We have to understand the Shem Mishmuel knew Rashi, right? You know, he learned in a cheder and he knew Rashi Balfeh. So he's asking exactly the same question as Rashi, but that doesn't mean that he didn't know that he was asking the same question as Rashi. He knew that. So he says, Yesh lahavin kefal halashon, u'kfar hit oru bazeh rabateinu zal. This question is dealt with by Chazal. V'nir dehine yesh mitbonein madua b'ra'u I'm sorry, Yaakov, Esav, Teomim, Bebeten, Achat. Why? He asked the question a different way. Why were they twins? And why did they have to come out of the same stomach or uterus? Right? Alkein, Haya, Lirifka, Tsar, Gadolmaot, Adsher, Amra, Halavai, Lo nit abarti. So this caused Rivka great strain and distress. So much so that she said, why, why am I pregnant? I mean, I was not pregnant. Now I am pregnant because we, we prayed and we begged and we beseeched, so I am pregnant, but what do I need the tsar? What do I need to have a, a son in my womb who's running around looking for idolatry? Uh, that I that I can't understand. 
היה רבקה צער גדול מאוד על שאמרה לוואי לא נתעברתי למה זה אונוכי שיסד אף אף אחר אחר אשתו ככותה לבנים even though she desired sons very much ושהוא צריכו שניהם להתפלל על זה and they couldn't get there unless both of them יצחק ורבקה תעבד for children ואתה אמרה, הלוואי, לא נתעברתי, ואנו היא אומרת, למה זה אנוכי? למה אני הייתי פלג'ה אין זה כי אם שבוודאי היה צער גדול מאוד, עד דכדוכה של נפש, that she was actually endangered, she endangered her soul. אף שנשים צדקניות לא היה בפתקתה של חווה. that נשים צדקניות were not part of the חווה tradition. חווה had a son, his name was Kayan, who killed Evel. ובוודאי, זאת אומרת, So maybe she is somehow related to that story about Chava and that, 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 and that she also could have a bad son. She says, no. He says, after the Shinsikani Yod Lo Yu Bepit Kata Shel Chava, Abadai Lo Aya Zebe Mikre Vederech Nashim. He says, this cannot be like an accidental event. It's something that happens perhaps statistically. You know, there's a certain number of twins that are born. And with the, a certain number of twins that are born, some are nice to each other, some are not nice to each other. He says, you can't say that. He says, we need ever for each. Al pima ha-makvah kod kodsho, avi admor zil slotzeh salib rochum, etc. She yakal ve'esav, enki dimyon eitz ha-chayim ve'eitz ha-das tovarach. He says, I want to make a comparison. I want to tell you who Yaakov and Esau were. Yaakov and Esau were the incarnation of the Eitz Adas and the Tov Barah, the Eitz Adas Tov Barah and the Eitz Achayim. Right, there were these two trees. What does he mean? Eitz Achayim, Eitz Adas Tov Barah. Sheshneihem יש להם כוח החיבור כטבע האמצעי. That both of them, יעקב ועשיו, had the ability to tie things together, right, in a median way. אלא שעץ החיים מחפר חלקי החיים לבד, ועץ הדעת, טוב ורע מחבר טוב ורע. כך יעקב חיבר השמיים והארץ על ידי שהעלה את הארץ לשמיים ועשיו השפיל את השמיים לארץ and this is what the Sochot Jobah said. So now let's, let's see if we can get a handle on it. 
He says Yaakov and Esav represent two forces. Two forces. Both of them understand that that God is God and the world is the world and everybody understands that you have to make your way in that world. But but Esav, as we said earlier, was very much part of the physical world that we live in. And he thought he he thought that the physical world, which is God's creation, is the important thing, the important place to be. And therefore Yitzchak would be the one I mean Asa would be the one who would bring heaven down to earth. Because we say to heaven, it's better down here. It's better when I just fill my, fulfill my desires and my elemental needs. I don't need heaven to take me away from all of this. Quite the contrary. Heaven should come down to me. That was Esau. Yaakov, Yaakov said that we can make the Gashmi of Olam Hazer Ruchani. We can bring earth up to heaven. We can bring earth up to heaven. Now this is a departure. This is a departure from the Dor HaFlaga, the people who built the Migdal Bravel, who said we want to conquer heaven. We want to take over heaven. This was another way of doing it. Right? So then the Sokhachovah says, this is like, this is like what happened in Gan Eden. Because in Gan Eden, in Gan Eden there was an Eitz of Chayim and Eitz of Tovarah. And the Eitz of Tovarah enabled you through the choices that you made to, to even bring the earth up to heaven. Whereas the Eitz Chayim represented the idea that life, that the way we live our lives is more important than what they do in heaven. Right? So, so it's, a, it's a kind of a metaphor and it's a metaphor that takes us back I mean, everything's a metaphor it takes us back to Gan Eden and so it's an answer to that question the question why do we have to know about Gan Eden why does the Torah just start from Adam Rishon and Chava outside of Gan Eden doing whatever they're doing or giving a short reference what do I have to know about Gan Eden so the answer is that Gan Eden according to the Sochachova Gan Eden is with us we're all in Gan Eden the Gan Eden of making a choice. Are we going to stay in the Gan Eden that we can produce on our own? Are we going to get out? So, Yaakov and Esau, Yaakov and Esau represent the real together. Together they're very real because there is an inclination that some people have to bring earth up to heaven and other people want to bring heaven down to earth so if you look at the uh, at the continuation, it says surata Adam, the form of man, Yaakov is the one who is able to tie together the different worlds. Vizesha Muzal Surat Tam the Tam is, is Yaakov, of course. He's Chakukabakisei. He's engraved in the, in the throne in heaven. The Yuvan Alpi Devarim Devarenu Anal 
שאם עושה כל מעשי עולם הזה רק לצורך עולם הבא ולא ליהנות בעולם הזה בזה הוא מחובר, מחובר עולם הזה לעולם הבא. So that, that if you are able, and this was Yaakov's, Yaakov's advantage, he was an Ishtam, Yosef Ohalim. He knew that his priorities were such that he ate because he wanted to get to heaven. And so when Rivka came to, uh, to, to Yaakov, her son, and said, listen, You have to make lunch for your father. Make him good stuff. He says, Yaakov was incredulous. He says, what are you talking about? My father and I, we learn together. We don't eat lunch together. That's not what we do. So she said, she said to him that, that he's about to make a mistake. He's about to confuse, according to Shemesh, he's about to confuse heaven coming down to earth with earth going up to heaven. And the only one who can save him, and that's why, that's why Yaakov agreed to lie, because it was a matter of life and death for his father. Even though Yitzchak at the end, Yitzchak is an Ishtam. I mean, I'm sorry, Yaakov is an Ishtam, but Yitzchak is an Olat Mima. Right, Yitzchak is perfect, just like Abraham was perfect. And we see that Yitzchak trying to save Esau was kind of becoming imperfect. So Yaakov agreed to do what Rivka told her to do, but not because he needed the bracha. That you could see. If you look in the parasha, there's a bracha that goes to Yaakov and a bracha that goes to Esau. They happen to be exactly the same the two brachot but then at the end of the parasha of Toldos uh, Yitzchak says to his son okay you're going to run away you're going to padan aram you're going to do it but I want to give you the bracha of Abraham so that the bracha of Abraham was never going to go to Esau what Yitzchak was trying to do was to save him he was trying to raise the gashmiyut to a level of through the mitzvah kibbut avaein try to raise the Gashmiyut of Esav to a different level, to make him see heaven. And so, uh, so Rivka was worried about his judgment, that Yitzchak perhaps had made a mistake in terms of what he might be able to accomplish. Not in the idea. The idea was certainly a good idea, but Yitzchak, who said that Yitzchak would be able to accomplish changing Esav around? Maybe that would never happen. And so Rivka wanted to protect him from that problem. He went to, she went to Yaakov. She says, Yaakov, you have to make him food and, and feed him. Because your food will be food that will take him to heaven. Whereas Esau's food is the food that will bring heaven down, bring heaven down uh, to earth. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you.